So good morning. My name's Josh Lindman. I'm the intern pastor here. Spend my time between uh, Hope Ankeny and Hope Des Moines, so it's great to be here this morning. So how many people would do, consider doing what you saw in the video just now? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. So you, you consider? Yeah. All right. Well, so you, if you could see, there were a decent number of insane people in the room, apparently, uh, that would consider doing something like that. I would not at all, ever. Uh, risk is just not in my nature at all. I like to kind of play it safe. Um, it's not that I don't like to try new things or go on adventures and that kind of thing, but um, I just have all of these scars and injuries and some emotional trauma from taking risks, doing things that I've never done before and that just don't turn out very well. Um, most of those risks, it seems, have to do with water for some reason. So uh, I did grow up in Florida, and you know, one of the first times we went to the beach after moving there, I got stung by a jellyfish. And so I've always had this like fear of getting stung again by a jellyfish, and it, like, if you if that's never happened to you, it's quite painful. It's quite pa- it's massive, like on my leg. It was just, it was bad. So there's that, and then I was canoeing in middle school, and of course there's alligators in all of the rivers in Florida, and this creepy river, and there's water moccasins, snakes. I mean, it's just nasty. So I, we're canoeing in this river. We pass an alligator, and then a little bit farther down, I like capsize, tip over my canoe, and I f- like freak out, and I'm flailing around and screaming and saying some very inappropriate things uh, for a middle school for the pastor's kid to be saying, but uh, super nervous. And I injured myself, like stepped on some kind. It, it was it was not good. No alligators attacked me, luckily, but uh, could have happened. It could have happened. So. Then I'm in high school, and my family goes on vacation to North Carolina, and we're whitewater rafting, and we get to kind of a calmer-ish part of the river. It's still going really fast, and the guide like, pulls us to the side, and he's like, okay, we're going to get out and float down the river uh, for a little bit. Just, you know, you and your life jacket, and it'll be fine. It'll be fun. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll just, I'll stay in the raft, thanks. And of course, my family, who loves me and knows how much I hate water, they're like, come on, Josh, don't be a wuss. Like, get out and do this with us. And Thanks, thanks, guys. That's, that's nice of you. And so, so I get out, and he's like, you know, you just kind of lay back and float. And somehow I ended up like tipping myself somehow and like starting to flail around and drown and took in some water and freaked out again. It's not the prettiest thing in the world. Uh, so all of these things with risk and water. And well, then I moved to uh, Iowa, and uh, I went to Sailorville Lake with some people and invited me to go water skiing. Actually, Dustin in the front row here uh, was, he can vouch to this. Uh, So went water skiing. I was like, sure, I'll go water skiing in Iowa. There's at least one less risk than water skiing in Florida because, well, you don't have alligators in the lakes, right? So there's that. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. So it was a beautiful summer day. And anybody remember what summer was like? Can anyone (laughs) describe it for me? Because I've I've forgotten. so, you know, we get in the boat, and they're giving me all these tips and tricks and what to do, and you, you like, lean back in the, put the, it's just, it all seemed, like, decently well, and a few people went, and they did it, and it seemed super easy. I mean, they just kind of popped out of the water, and you're like, well, how hard can this actually be, then? So, so I get in, and I am, like, super nervous at this point. I'm, like, shaking, but, you know, I gotta, gotta kind of play it off, and, oh, it's fine, and I jump in, and I put on the skis, and uh, give the thumbs up, and they go, and the one thing that nobody told me or I just didn't think about was that uh, you really should have your mouth closed on the whole like coming up out of the water thing. And so, so I take in like five gallons of water and I, I let go of the tow line and I'm like, I am drowning right now in Iowa. I'm going to be dead here. This is just not, it's not even like, it wasn't even an alligator that took me out. Like that would have been so much more exciting. Here lies Josh who was killed by an alligator. Like that'd be okay. 
but just drowned, you know, trying to water ski. And, well, we tried a few more times. They were very nice and encouraging people, and I never made it up uh, skiing. So just for me, like, that whole idea of water skiing and water in general, the risk is just never worth the reward. The risk is never worth the reward. And I think risk is kind of at the center of the scripture reading that we heard this morning, um, that Jesus story from Matthew 25. On the surface, it might seem more like ancient investment advice from Jesus, your local financial planner. Hey, guys, don't bury this money in the ground uh, in a coffee can. That's just, that's not going to do you anything. So you should go and invest this money. And oh, see, the investment pays off and you double your money. And isn't that great? But I think it goes a little bit deeper than that because I think at the heart of it, like so many Jesus stories, this story connects to some common human conditions that we have. This common human condition of being afraid to make mistakes. Common human condition to doubt our own abilities. A common human condition to be wary of risk. At least for some of us. Um, to ask that question, is the risk worth the reward? And I think Jesus' answer in this story is that, yes, the risk is always worth the reward, especially when you're risking for the kingdom of heaven. And that's what this story is meant to illustrate. If you open your Bibles to Matthew 25, that's where we're going to be spending our time today. So Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, I'll just read a little here. This is Jesus speaking. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. So here's the master. He calls together his servants, and he's like, guys, I'm giving you everything I have because while I'm gone, I'm not going to need it, and I really need you guys to invest this well, to use this, to steward this stuff well. So he gives five bags of silver to one guy, two to another, and one to the last. These bags of silver, uh, you might have heard them translated previously as like talents. So one talent, it's a unit of measurement uh, for money, and one talent was equal to about 20 years' wages. So even the one talent guy, I mean, he still was getting a lot. For a common laborer, for a foot soldier, one talent equals about 20 years' wages. It's a lot. It's a lot. And doing anything with that money, risking that money at all, is kind of uh, a big deal. Well, the master leaves, and the first two servants, the one with five talents and the one with two, they go and they invest, and they get a huge return on their investment. They double what they put in. That's, that is a pretty good return, I think. And when the master comes back, he's very proud of those guys. But then we get to that third servant, and maybe being a little more risk-averse, maybe fearing the weight of, well, if I make a mistake with this money, like, that's 20 years' wages. That's still a long time that I'm going to have to figure out how to repay this guy. And, I mean, all sorts of things could happen. So, you know, instead, I'm just going to play it safe, and I'm going to bury this in the ground. And when he comes back, we'll just... Pop it out and we'll be good to go. Here you go. Your money is still there. Don't worry. I I took care of it. But the master, when he comes back, he is anything but happy with 
that guy. Anything but happy. So why this Jesus story? Why did Jesus tell this story in particular to his disciples? I think part of the reason is because this is a story meant to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like, the operating practices of the kingdom, what the DNA of the kingdom is all about. It's about the second coming of Jesus. Jesus, in a little bit, is going to be leaving the disciples, and so he tells them what he expects from them while he's gone. While he's gone. So the master, then, in the story is Jesus, and he's entrusted his servants with certain gifts, with this, these bags of money, and maybe don't look at it quite so much like bags of money, but as a metaphor for our gifts and the abilities that God's given us for the relationships that he's entrusted us with, the people in our lives that he's brought into our lives. He expects us to steward these things well while he's away. He's counting on us to do that. So he's counting on us, and the servants are supposed to be us, the body of Christ, the church. And God's calling us to risk. He's counting on us to risk for the kingdom. It's not like crazy risks like going on 235 at some point during like rush hour and trying to like walk down one of the lanes and being like, oh, God's going to be with me. This is a good risk to take, right? Uh, probably not so much. Iowa drivers maybe aren't quite as bad as Florida drivers, but I still, you know, could be dangerous. So maybe it's more of a risk that has significance attached to it. A risk that will expand the kingdom. A risk that you could take that will help reach out to the world around you, share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. A risk that will make heaven more crowded. That's the type of risk I think Jesus is talking about. A risk where we use our gifts and those kind of things happen. Significant things happen. So the first two servants, they risk big time and they're rewarded big time and well, the master's incredibly pleased with them. And he actually invites them into this deeper relationship because of it. And I want us to read this together. This is uh, verse 21. Let's read it together on the screens. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So that whole idea of let's celebrate together, that phrase in the Greek is probably better translated, enter into the joy of the master. Enter into the joy of the master. See, I think there is inherent joy. There's a celebration that happens when we take risks with the kingdom of heaven in mind. There's joy to be had. And yet... Risking is so hard to do sometimes. At least it is for me. And I'm not just talking about risks when it comes to water. And I think Jesus knew this. He understood this. And so that's why he included this third servant in the story. He knew we wanted nothing more than to be able to do something extraordinary with our lives, to seize the day and to take risks and to do something incredible. 
We wanted that, and yet there were so many things he knows that get in our way, so many barriers we have to taking risks. We want to do incredible things to help our family and our friends and our community and our churches and our world. We want to make a difference. And yet, there's all these things that get in the way that block us from taking risks. Things like fear. We're afraid of making mistakes. I mean, certainly, you you think about that third servant, and there had to be a lot of fear for this guy, getting 20 years' worth of wages and being entrusted with that, and, man, I shouldn't mess it up, and I just, I don't know what'll happen if, fill in the blank. And your mind just goes spinning to all these kind of possibilities. So he decided that it'd be better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing. It's better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing, right? Jesus had to deal with people with that kind of mindset all the time. They were called the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they had this very strict, narrow interpretation of the law. They loved to follow the letter of the law all the way. And so it was always better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing. Risk was never encouraged for these guys. So Jesus, one day, he's walking with his disciples. It's the Sabbath. It's the day of rest. You're not supposed to do any work at all. And so Jesus is walking with his disciples and comes upon this man that has a deformed hand, and he's in need of healing. And Jesus is getting ready to heal this guy, and the Pharisees like run up to Jesus, and they say, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the Sabbath. You can't do any work. Healing is obviously work. That is against the rules. It's against the letter of the law. It's better to do nothing. It's better not to heal that guy than to take this risk, than to do that healing. Well, Jesus sees it a little bit differently, I think, and so he says, you know, that may be what the law says, but remember the Sabbath? Remember the laws of the Sabbath? They're all meant to help rejuvenate humanity, to help give humanity rest, and to help humanity be restored from all of the busyness of work. So I'm going to restore this guy's hand because I think healing is what the Sabbath is all about. And I think there's sometimes when maybe, you know, we've been in the same kind of mindset as the Pharisees. And we say, ah, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to break the rules. I don't want to mess things up. So I'm just going to do nothing instead of doing the wrong thing. Maybe there's a family member that you felt like you needed to talk to. They're in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe a friend's got some kind of addiction. And you've been thinking about talking to them, but man, you know, if you screw something up, if you say something and, ah, what if you make a mistake? What if you say the wrong thing? It could be horrible, right? Things could turn out badly, and so it's probably just better not to say anything, to just kind of ignore it and to go on with life as usual. You see, Jesus was about anything other than life as usual. And he wanted that healing to come about, and so he calls us to take risks, and he encourages us to have those kind of conversations. They might be hard conversations, they might be messy for a while, but in the end, they are going to be incredibly worth it. 
It's the kind of risk that Jesus is calling us to. This story points out that risk for the kingdom, risk for other people is always worth it in the end. So you got that barrier to risk of fear. And I think another barrier is doubt. I think it's easy to doubt our own abilities. To doubt our abilities, to look at what everybody else has been given. Man, I've only been given one talent, but this guy has five and he has two. So you should probably look to those guys to help you out here, Jesus, because I just, I have no real abilities, right? I am not as good of a speaker as her, or I'm not as smart as he is. I'm not as naturally gifted at this as she is. We make all these excuses and we play this comparison game and that just leads to more and more doubt on our part. So one of the favorite parts of my internship so far has been getting to work with some high school students up at Hope's Ankeny campus. Uh, I'm a small group leader for some 10th grade guys. This is a picture of some of them up here. And um, so I've had a great time getting to know them, getting to know their families, uh, watching them play soccer and basketball, learning their stories, cheering on Florida State as we won the national championship in football this last year. I try to... I try to fit that, actually, as of right now, I think I fit that into every sermon I've preached at Hope, so So it's good. Um, But then also, you know, mourning things like the loss of Iowa State to UConn in the tournament. I had them, I had Iowa State going all the way, so I was trying to be a good, you know, Iowa fan. Um, Anyway, so it's been an incredible joy to get to know these guys, and In December, I felt God calling me to kind of invite some of them into this deeper relationship that would challenge them to grow as men of faith, as disciples, as leaders in the church. Because I don't think that these guys are just meant to be leaders 20 years from now when they're married and they have kids or after college or anything like that. I think God needs them to be leaders right now. He's in trusted them with gifts and abilities that the church needs, that the kingdom of heaven needs right now. And so I've challenged some of them to be in this leadership group. And some of these guys are pretty natural-born leaders. They're loud. They're kind of the center of attention. You walk into a room, and there they are, surrounded by everyone else wanting to talk to them. But then some of these other guys are a little more quiet, They're a little more reserved. They're a little more socially awkward. So I was talking with one of the quieter guys. I was inviting him into this group, and I said, you know, I see leadership potential in you. And he looks back at me and says, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not not a leader. And he goes on to give all of these reasons why he's not cut out to be a leader. This guy is smart. This guy is passionate. This guy is dedicated to what he does. And yet he still doubts his abilities. It's kind of like the third servant. He's been given a lot, 20 years worth of wages to invest, and yet still, what good can my one bag of silver do? So he said, you know, no, it's not me. I'm not a leader. And I looked back at him and I said, you may see it that way, but I see something more in you. 
So don't doubt your abilities. Don't doubt your abilities. Maybe you're in the same kind of place and you're like, ah, oh, what good can my one bag of silver do? I, I'm not really, I'm not cut out to be a life group leader. I'm not cut out to pray for somebody in need. I'm not cut out to mentor a kid here at Hubble. I just, you know, you should look for someone smarter. Look for someone with better abilities. Look for someone with more talents than me. And, you know, to all of those excuses that we offer up, I think God is looking at each one of us and he is saying, you may see it that way, but I see something more in you. I need you. I've given you these gifts and abilities. Yes, they're all different, but I've given you gifts and abilities all the same. And I need you to use them for the kingdom. I'm counting on it. So we fear and we doubt. But I think one of the greatest barriers we have to taking real risks is forgetfulness. We forget who our master is. I'm going to read a little bit from Matthew 25, 24 and 20 through 27. So listen to this and think about this idea of who the master is. So then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here it is, your money back, all of it, just like you left it with me. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least then I would have gotten some interest on it. So you see, the master, when he left, he was expecting his servants to carry on with business as usual, to keep running the shop in the same ways that the master did, in the same risky ways, in the same harsh ways. So maybe you're thinking right now, wait, hold on, I thought, Josh, you said that the master was supposed to be Jesus Is it really okay to call Jesus harsh or risky? That seems kind of risky in and of itself, right? But I think those are actually pretty good descriptors of Jesus. I mean, I think you've got to add the grace aspect in there someplace and the love aspect, but think about it this way. So Jesus took kind of this incredible risk when he left the community of heaven, the family of heaven, his Father and the Holy Spirit, and he left the majesty and the beauty of heaven to come down to earth, to this dangerous and dirty place. Born uh, not, I mean, as like a king or a noble person or someone riding with chariots into battle, but born as a baby in a manger. Kind of a big risk there. Exposed to just about anything that the world could throw at him. It's risky. And you think about that idea of being a harsh master. I think Jesus at times was incredibly harsh with certain people. With people like the Pharisees who were so stuck and so fixated on the letter of the law. On this narrow interpretation of the law. He was pretty harsh with people who would turn their backs on the poor. Turn their backs on the oppressed. Forget about the oppressed and the weak and the weary pretty harsh to those people. 
And I think it's also pretty risky the way that Jesus decided to build this whole movement we call the church. It's not the best strategic plan when you take these no-name fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes and expect them to be the ones who will go out and share this message of good news with the entire world. If you're talking about building a movement, you probably aren't going to start by thinking, oh, let's talk to some nobodies. That'd be great. It's exactly what we need to get this started. See, Jesus was risky in that way. So has anybody seen, read The Lord of the Rings? Any of the books, videos, yeah? Movies, rather? So I usually fall asleep when watching uh, The Lord of the Rings movies just because they're like epically long. But um, I'm going to play a clip here for you. But for those of you who don't know kind of the background, Frodo is one of the main characters. And Frodo is this hobbit, kind of a short guy, big feet. And he's always lived kind of a safe life uh, in the Shire, this nice, kind of serene place, and never takes many risks, never has really had to. Just kind of lives his life. And, well, at one point, he comes into possession of this ring, this ring with incredible power, this ring that is actually very dangerous if, it's gotten, if it gets into the wrong hands. And so they decide that he and Frodo and some of his group decide he needs to bring this ring back to Mordor, the place where it was created and the only place where it can be destroyed. So they go on this journey and Frodo experiences all these risks like he's never experienced before. All of these dangerous situations and he begins to have some fears and he begins to have some doubts if he was really the right one to take this back. I mean, he's got a band of people surrounding him, but still, these doubts creep in. And he begins to wonder if the risk is really worth it. And he kind of shares some of these thoughts with Gandalf, this great wizard, and let's take a look at this scene. So what are you going to do with the time you've been given? What are you going to do with that gift that the master has entrusted you with? Are you going to hide it away? Or maybe you're going to risk Are you going to trust that maybe, just maybe, there are forces at work in this world besides the will of evil? That God is counting on you, that he is walking with you when you are afraid, that he has given you the ability and he's cheering you on when you have doubts? Are you going to trust that God is there in the midst as you are risking? And that risk, it's going to look different for all of us because God has given us all different abilities. But maybe it looks like finally forgiving that person who hurt you a while ago. Maybe it means looking for reconciliation, for forgiveness in a relationship. Maybe it means stepping into a leadership role or offering to finally volunteer with this organization or that organization. Maybe it means inviting a friend to Easter worship or befriending a neighbor. It's going to look different for all of us, but what are you going to do with the time you've been given? What are you going to do with what God has entrusted you with, with what the Master has entrusted you with? Will you remember the operating system, the operating practices 
the risky nature of the master. Jesus is talking to his disciples, explaining some of that risky nature to them. And in John 12, I want you to listen to this. So Jesus talking to the disciples. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is loses that life, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. What are you going to do with what the master has given you? Are you going to hold on to it? Are you going to play it safe? Or maybe are you going to let it go? Reckless in your love, take risks for the kingdom. In the ultimate statement of reckless love, Jesus died on a cross for us. And he wanted to leave us with something to remember that sacrifice by. And so he gathered together some of his friends for a meal. And in that meal, through very tangible things, like bread and wine, we remember. We remember the sacrifice. We remember the reckless love. We remember God being broken. Jesus being poured out for us and for our sins. So I want you to invite you as we prepare our hearts for communion now, I want you to stand with me. And we're going to take some time to just think about our lives, to look into our hearts, to remember those places where maybe there's fear that has been living for far too long. Maybe there are doubts that need to just go away. Maybe there's brokenness that needs healing. And so I want to give us a little bit of quiet time to just think about that to go to God and bring those things before him. So would you bow your heads with me and we'll take a moment of silence here.